great video. Cue me. Good morning. Happy Easter. There we go. Something we've been doing, I haven't been doing this because I haven't been around since 2,000 years, but something the church has been doing for 2,000 years, Christians since the time of Christ have been doing, is the pastor or the leader or whoever will say, Christ is risen today, and then the people will respond, he is risen indeed. So let's try that. Christ is risen today. That's pretty good. One more time. Christ is risen today. Man, it's exciting to be with you guys this morning. It's exciting to talk about Easter. Last week we talked about the crucifixion and how the crucifixion led to the resurrection. But today we get to talk about the resurrection and how it leads to salvation. Because without the resurrection, there is no salvation. This is what it's all about. This is what church is about. This is what Christianity is about. This is what life for us is about. It's all about Jesus. It reminds me of a story of a young man. His name is Eustace. And he was one of those kids that just, he knew everything. He always correct you. He would, you know, if you said, oh, I'm doing good, he'd say, you mean well. You know those type of people. If you're those type of people, I'm sorry. You're still welcome here. Um, the people laughing are like, it's the next person next to me. But, but I'm well, thank you. Um, this boy Eustace was just kind of a punk kid. The only people that really wanted to hang out with him was his family. And his family didn't really want to hang out with him. But, you know, your parents say, hey, you got to go hang out with Eustace. You got to hang out with this kid who's kind of annoying and all these things. And so he's hanging out with his cousins. And his, and his cousins and him, they got to travel to this, this far off place. And they were on this adventure, and it was an amazing, cool adventure. But as the adventure continued, Eustace just became more and more of just a punk kid. He was just super annoying, questioned everything. No one really wanted to spend time with him. Everyone wanted to fight him. And so their ship, they were on a ship, it wrecked, and they needed to work to fix this ship. And, of course, Eustace, as always, decided that he was above the work that needed to be done. So he went and he went to this cave, and he found this cool gold bracelet. And he places it on his wrist, and he falls asleep. And he wakes up, and his, his arm begins to hurt. The, the bracelet somehow has become really tight. And as he looks down, he's terrified. He sees the hands of a dragon. It looks like he's surrounded by a scaly beast. And he begins to, to, to freak out, and he was afraid. And then he realized within moments that those weren't some other person's hands. Those were his and Eustace had become a dragon. And the first thing that he thinks is what a lot of us think whenever we come into power is like, this is great. My cousins won't be able to make fun of me anymore. People won't be able to bully me or pick on me anymore. I have all this power. He's a dragon. And he begins to kind of fly around and use his newfound abilities to build some self-confidence in himself. But as always, when it comes with power or anything in our lives where we replace Jesus, it quickly turned to sorrow. Eustace realized now, not only did he have this power, but he was more isolated and alone than he had ever been in his life. He couldn't go on the ship because he was too heavy, and so his cousins had to leave him because he had... He wasn't strong enough to continue to fly with them to the other islands. And so Eustace, being a dragon now, lonely, afraid, and scared, even with this newfound power, flies to an island and begins to weep. 
he begins to weep, and as he's weeping, as many of us do when we have struggles or, or problems in our lives, we try to fix it ourselves. So he takes his big, powerful claws, and he begins to rip at his own flesh. And as he tears the scales off, he sees a little boy. But as quickly as he tears the scales off, they continue to grow back. And as he continues to thrash and tear at his scales, the boy appears and then quickly goes away. Realizing that he can't fix himself, he spirals into pure despair. And then a lion shows up. A lion that many of us have met or heard about. His name is Aslan. And he comes and it says, with the powerful paw, with one swipe, he rips the scales from Eustace's body. And Eustace is a boy. The very thing that was entrapping him and enclosing him and surrounding him, that was isolating him, Aslan destroyed. Jesus destroyed. You see, we can't fix ourselves. We can't change ourselves. But Jesus, this, can change everything. A lot of us love the idea of Jesus. See, problems don't, people don't have issues with Jesus himself. People think he was a good teacher. Some people think he's Lord. Some people think he was just kind of a radical social justice person. Most people in our culture, and even in this world, don't have an issue with Jesus. It talks about him in the Quran. It talks about him in different other religious books. Jesus himself, they don't have an issue with. Why is that? Because most of the time, people have issues with Christians. People that claim Christ or religion or, or whatever you want to put the, the mark on that has kept you away from coming, except for on Easter. Maybe it's just the social construct, maybe well, whatever it is, mass religion, hysteria. We have problems with that, but we don't have problems with Jesus. Why is that? I believe it's because Jesus changes lives. And he changed lives. Everything that we know and we read about Jesus is beautiful. It's not like he tells us some weird or random philosophy or idea. He tells us to love each other. And he proves it. I mean, we see Zacchaeus. I want to take you on a journey just talking through some of the people that were radically changed when they met Jesus. We talk about Zacchaeus. He was a short man. A wee little man was he. I don't know if you've been around some short people, but sometimes they get a little upset about things. And I'm assuming it was the same for Zacchaeus. He was a short man in a society where you need to have power and influence. And he didn't, there's no way for him to grab it based on his physical stature. So he said, you know what? The best way to grab it is to get power through money and through position. So what, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He took money. He did all these things. You've heard this story before. He amassed wealth and power. And people needed to respect him, not because of his size, because who he was. He was the chief counselor. If you don't respect me, I can take from you anything I want. I have authority and power. But what happened? He encountered Jesus. And the very thing that gave him power and identity, he relinquished to Jesus. Because Jesus made him who he was called to be. He said, Zacchaeus, this isn't who you are. 
Zacchaeus, this isn't what your life is about. And Zacchaeus gave everything he amassed in power and gave it away. What about the woman who was bleeding for 12 years? Or any illness? I don't know if you've experienced illnesses or if you know people with illnesses. There's a couple of people at work that are struggling and fighting through cancer right now and they have to wear a mask to work and they really can't be around you. I remember when our, our kids were sick with the flu, we couldn't go to Thanksgiving. You know, when you're, you're ill, even for moments, you're isolated. You feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel helpless. This woman was bleeding for 12 years. I can't imagine the suffering that she had gone through in a society where she was seen as unclean. And she didn't even really meet Jesus. She just touched the hem of his garment and her life was changed. She was healed, restored. I think of the, uh, the apostles, the disciples, Peter, James, John, all the, and how they were just fishermen, regular guys. And how when they met Jesus, every single one of them, except for John, who was boiled in oil, experienced an excruciating death. Most of them crucifixion. Others, one was thrown from the top of the temple for not denouncing Christ. Fishermen, regular guys who believed Jesus was who he said he was. I think about Lazarus who literally came back to life. The woman caught in adultery or the woman at the well. Woman at the well, it, scripture isn't clear what happened. Jesus engages her and says, hey, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right, because you have five husbands. Now people assume that's because of adultery. Uh, others assume maybe their husbands just died. And now she's kind of like the black widow and we don't want to be around her. Or maybe she's been rejected five times by men and now she just says, hey, whoever wants me, I'll take. And Jesus engages her and restores her and says, this is not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Where is this? She's like, where is this water that you're talking about? I don't want to be thirsty anymore. I am that water. And she goes into a town where she's a disgrace and tells everyone about Jesus. I think about the woman caught in adultery. For whatever reason, she did what she did. She was caught and embarrassed and ashamed, not just for, for the act, but who she had become. And Jesus steps, and says, steps into the gap and says, you have no right over her. Pharisees, Sadducees, you have no right over this woman. Yes, she is a sinner, but so are you. I'm gonna purchase her with a price. What she ultimately does on the cross. I think about the blind man who, who is blind and now he sees, I don't know who this man is. He may be Jesus, he may be the Messiah, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. I think about the lepers. The ones who no one would even touch, they haven't had a hug in 10 years. I don't know anyone in here who hasn't had a hug in 10 years. Or touched. And these men now were touched by Jesus Christ and transformed. 
I think about the addict who came two weeks ago to accept Christ. I think about the soldier who came a couple months ago and accepted Christ and was baptized. I think about those whose lives are changing now. These aren't just stories. They're people in this room. They're you. They're me. I think about the woman struggling with identity who's baptized into Christ and now is asking questions that have never been asked before. Those of us who have experienced radical heart change by Jesus Christ can resonate with all of these stories. It makes me think of 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. If you have your Bibles, you can look it up. If not, it'll be on the screen. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to the apostles. Last of all, as one to untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now Paul is writing this. Paul probably has the greatest transformation story of them all. He was one killing Christians. And Jesus literally kicked him off of a horse and said, what are you doing? I am the one that you're persecuting. I am the one that you think you're loving and you're not. I have chosen you. You now need to choose me. And Saul, who become Paul, is writing this letter. In the last verse, I know Paul wrote this, but for me it resonates with my heart. It says, last of all, he appeared to me. I remember, clear as day, when Christ said, hey, wake up. It's not about you liking me or, or thinking I'm great or, or following my teachings of loving others. It's about you submitting to me. And I remember when I was 16 years old making that decision and saying, yes, I will submit to you, Christ. I understand that you love me, but now please become my Lord. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes or that I don't sin. But now I know now how not to. Only in and through Christ. You see, the greatest challenge isn't just believing in Jesus, because a lot of us believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. The greatest challenge is stop to, the greatest challenge is to stop believing in yourself. That you can fix your problems, that you can save yourself, that you can save anyone. You see, this isn't a Jesus issue. This is a you issue. Jesus has made himself known and made himself clear. We see that over and over again. You see, the greatest issue, the greatest challenge isn't that we don't just believe in Jesus. That's part of it. The barrier is we need to stop believing in ourselves. That's, that's counter to everything we've been taught in our culture. Find the champion in you is what I'm told. But Jesus says, I'm the champion for you. I think the easiest way to understand this transformation or, or this, how this looks is through a, a graphic video that I have that I think will help us understand it a little more clearly. 
When Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us one commandment in Matthew 28. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is the responsibility that we have as believers in Christ or as the church? Or what is the next step for people who want to say, hey, I want Jesus? It comes in baptism. Now, baptism does not save. Never has and never will. Jesus saves. I think it's clear in Colossians 2, he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive, together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. It's the essence of the gospel. The essence of the good news of Jesus Christ is that he disarmed the authorities and the powers over this world. He canceled your debt. So many of us think like a credit card, oh, I'll just defer payment. Or I'll pay the minimum and I'll be okay if I go to church, if I do this or I do that. Or I'll use this card, credit card to pay that credit card. Or I'll do this or I'll do that to keep it a throw. Okay, my marriage is going well right now. Let me go uh, tackle this addiction. Oh, uh, I got the addiction under control. I, I'm good. I've been, I'm sober for a couple weeks now. Let me address my marriage because it's falling apart. And we play this juggling act where we think we can solve these issues and we can save ourselves. But only one man, God in flesh, Jesus Christ, had the ultimate credit card. Where he canceled our debt. It's not like he, he paid it and we owe him something. He canceled it. Free of charge. If you believe in him or not, he conquered sin. Death on the cross and coming back proved that he even rules over death. Like I said, baptism doesn't save you, Jesus saves. But baptism is a way that we can proclaim a loyalty to Christ. Where we recognize him as Lord and Savior. I'll help you understand this by a simple story about my wife. My wife is, is Persian. If you don't know what that means, she's Iranian. She's an American, Iranian-American. Her parents came over from Iran. Very heavy Muslim culture. She found Christ in college. A couple years, maybe she was 20. I can't remember the exact dates. She was around 20 or so. She said, I want Christ. And she lived in that reality for, for a couple months. And somebody said, hey, have you ever been baptized? Do you understand what baptism is? And kind of explained it. It's being buried with Christ and then raised with him and that your sins are forgiven, you're a new creation. She goes, I want that. And she was baptized. Now hear me, she was already a believer, but then she was baptized. And when she got home, her mom drew a line in the carpet and said, you are no longer with me. 
What changed? Because when she was baptized, she proclaimed a loyalty to Christ. Now with lip service saying, hey, I'm on Christ's team, I'm in. It's not the same as taking the step. And she said something that was very interesting and very profound. Natasha's mother said, your blood is now tainted. You're no longer pure blood. And I told Natasha, she's right. Her blood is tainted. It's tainted and covered with the blood of Christ. Your sins are forgiven and you're free. That only happens in and through Jesus Christ. But a line was crossed. When you are baptized into Christ, you are proclaiming loyalty to him. You are proclaiming vocally and internally, he has risen indeed. That I can't fix myself. It's going to take something outside of me to fix me, which is Jesus Christ. It's not about believing in yourself. It's about believing in him. But there's a cost. I'm going to ask everyone to be a part of something in a couple minutes. I'm going to ask everyone who, one, has never been baptized to consider, what does it mean to cross that line this morning? Or those maybe who you grew up and you really didn't understand who Jesus Christ was and now you want to be baptized as a believer in Christ because the truth of the matter is I was baptized when I was 16. It was a decision I made. My, my parents did not make that for me. But my parents dedicated me. I was baptized as a Lutheran when I was a kid and I honor that and I honor my parents for that because what they were saying is, hey, I want you to grow up knowing Jesus. That doesn't diminish that, but what I read in scripture, what I understand is that when you make a decision to say, Jesus Christ, you are mine and I am yours, that is when you cross the line. It's not diminishing anything that you've done or, or, or talked about beforehand. It's when you believe in Christ, believe and be baptized. Once again, baptism doesn't save. This isn't a salvation issue. This is an obedience issue. Now, if you've been baptized, I want you to understand what Romans 6 says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer be enslaved to sin. If you've made a decision as a Christian to be baptized, and you were baptized, should you continue in sin? By no means. But your sin was taken on the cross. You do not need to be baptized again. This isn't a re-up. This isn't a, oh, I've had a bad week of sin, or man, my marriage isn't going well, and I need to re-up. That's not what this is. But if you've been standing on the sidelines, and you really haven't taken your faith seriously, or you have no faith at all, that's what I'm inviting you to come and be a part of. And what better way or place or time than Easter?
to say, I want newness of life. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. Well, what about my clothes? I have a towel right here. What about my stuff, my iPhone 7 and all the cash I bring to church? Put it in the bag. Some shady people over there would love to hold it for you. <laughs> what if I wore something revealing? We have robes. Whatever excuse you're making up in your mind why you shouldn't do this, what, I'm going to get my car wet. It's 180 degrees out there. You will dry before you get to your car. We laugh and we giggle, but there's so many people in this room right now that are thinking of every possible reason why I shouldn't do this. And my job as your pastor and as a brother in Christ is to disarm that. It's not about you. Well, what do my parents think? What do my, what do my friends think? What do my, my spouse think? It's not, it's not about them. It's about you and it's about Jesus. Why not come and make the most important decision you've ever made in your life? We had three people come forward last service and say, hey, in the clothes I'm wearing, I'm ready. Why? Because just like Zacchaeus, just like the blind man, just like the woman caught in adultery, their lives have been transformed by Jesus Christ. Now, we're not going to baptize anyone under the age of 13 just because we want them, when they're 25, to know, hey, I know the decision I made. And when they're 25, they're going to say, I can look back on that. They're more than welcome to talk to a pastor and we can work through that. We'll set up the baptistry every day, all day for the next forever. <laughs> if you're sitting here right now thinking, man, I should do that, then yes, you should. Man, I've never been baptized. I had a guy come forward who's raised in the Catholic church, 60 years old, been coming to our church for five, 10 years. And he said, you know what? I've never been baptized. And he came forward and he was baptized in the clothes he was wearing. That takes humility. So I'm gonna ask everyone to stand. I'm gonna ask, we're gonna, we're going to do two prayers. I know this is unique. We're going to do two prayers. First prayer we're going to do is if you're just struggling in sin, one, if you need to talk to somebody, please come and talk to somebody. If you're struggling with sin or just something has got you down and kind of you just want to, man, I need to redirect my life towards Christ. I'm going to pray and we're going to encourage you in those moments. If you're a believer in Christ, just to redirect your life towards Christ. Let's do that now. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for Easter. Lord, I pray everyone in here who is a believer in Christ who's just struggling. Lord, that they will come to a place where they can put death to sin because they're focusing on Jesus. And by focusing on Jesus, they can, they can see the beauty that comes and that he is risen indeed. I pray for everyone in this room right now who, who, who has made that decision to refocus on Christ. I pray that they're encouraged as they leave, as they walk in and through this. In Jesus' name.